Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. So God's love today, we can really break this down into two loves. And I'm going to and I'm going to do this fairly fast, okay? Um, As I thought through this, I thought about certain love stories uh, that you think of, and um, it's easy to think about, you know, Bonnie and Clyde, or uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce, right? Or Romeo and Juliet. Like, oh, they're such a great couple, but are they really? Like, you know, you really don't know. And so, more importantly, I got to the point where I started looking at my relationship with my earthly dad and how... um, how powerful it was, but really how broken it was, and how my perception of who he was really impacted how I saw God. And so, um, and in all of that, I think we're going to dive really deep into that over the next two weeks, wherever God leads us to go. With that being said, I just wanted to dive into the most powerful love story that's ever been told. And it's uh, less than 30 words. It's found in the Bible. It sums up the whole gospel, and it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believe in him is going to essentially live forever. It's never going to die and will have eternity. This is the greatest love story ever told. It's the greatest love story ever experienced. It's the greatest love story ever lived. And although we on planet earth seem to find love stories in people, we really find the greatest love story in Jesus and what God did for us through his son. It's like we talked last week about the way, right? And so my hope is that you'll walk out of here today knowing full well what the love of God is and that you'll experience it for yourself. And so the writers of the New Testament, um, God's love is so powerful that the writers of the New Testament didn't know what to call it. And as they looked for words, they couldn't find a word to, to kind of put into what, one word what God's love was. And so they created one. It's called agape. And what you find in agape is this is the highest form of love or charity and the love of God for man, and man for God. It's a two-way love. And so most people just say, God, well, that's God's love for me, but in all actuality, it's really our love for God as well. It's a two-way street. It's a divine love, a love no one can understand or comprehend outside of God. There is no love that you can think of in human relationship comparable to the love that God has for you this morning. And so regardless of how you walked in today, it's well. It's good. You're good enough right? And so for God so loved the world, if you remember the creating, we talked about this a few weeks ago, Adam and Eve, uh, God made him in his image. And so that means God made you and me in his image, maybe unique, maybe different, but just like him. And so we all walk around. I was talking to Mark about this this morning and, and talking and dealing with people and relationships. When people receive you, they're receiving Christ in you, right? It is oh, John's a good guy, or Mark's a good guy. Well, yeah, and you might take that and be like, dang right, I'm a good dude. But in all actuality, all they're doing is really receiving God through you. It's Jesus in you that's coming out. And so it's who you are that draws people to you. It's, it's what makes the Christian faith great. Okay, now I know there are a lot of believers who are out there, you know, doing what they do to bring us down and, and make being a Christian bad. And I'm not saying that you're perfect. God's not saying that you're perfect. But what I am saying is when people receive you, they're receiving Christ in you. 
That also means that when people reject you, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ in you. They're rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting the love of God. And so then if they have a problem with you, it's not personal. It's not personal. Don't take it personal. It has nothing to do with you. It's who you are. It's who's coming through you. And so that was not in my notes. So then as we look at this, Adam and Eve sinned, they disobeyed, they broke our relationship with God, they got kicked out of the garden into their own. This broke God's heart. This broke God's heart. The only thing he wanted from us was agape. He just wanted the same love in return. I gave you everything. I just want relationship with you. That's all I want. I just want to be in relationship with you. And so then, relationship based on our acceptance of him, of Jesus, his son. And so it's, it's not a ritual that we practice. It's not a task that we complete. It's not a one-time thing. Walking with God is a daily thing. It's, it is a, it's an exchange. It's a two-way love. And so then, this morning, for God so loved the world, and if you'll think about this, for God so loved the red world, the black world, the yellow world, the white world, the brown world, the rich world, the poor world. For God so loved the educated world and the uneducated world, the urban world and the suburban world. He loves everybody the same. All made in his image. Goodness. So then, a relationship based on our acceptance. It's accepting. It's not working. It's accepting. And so then, this morning, do you remember that? Do you know in your head or do you know it in your heart? Do you believe it in your heart? If you think back to the day that you found God, you found a relationship with Jesus. Where were you? I can tell you right now, guys. I was sitting in section eight, row seven, all the way against the wall. And this was back when we had to stink and walk the aisle. So I had to say, excuse me, to 13 people. And I had to walk down these steps and take a right and then take a left and walk down to meet my pastor, who was essentially a world away. He's in the parking lot. And I remember that day. I remembered it again this morning as we worshiped. And I thought, man, it's so powerful. But we forget we forget that day. And your memory is really your motivation. It's what fuels you. It's what shows you, man, this is, this is God in my life. This is who Jesus is. It's who Jesus is. And so then, thinking back on that, remember, God's love covers everything. God's love covers a multitude of sin. It covers every sin. It covers every mistake. It's ultimate forgiveness. That's ultimate love. It happened through his son. 1 Peter 4.8 is uh, the first scripture. It's not where we're parking today. But 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sin. That's genuine compassion. It's the values that we talked about the first four weeks of church. Hospitality, honor, honesty, unity. All of that covers a multitude of sin. It's love. If you're far from this, it's okay. If you're right next to it, that's great. God wants to do a work in your heart today. I believe that everybody's here very intentionally. And so we're going to look at Matthew 22, 36 through 40. This is a cornerstone scripture of our church. God showed me this scripture on the way back home from a church conference. I don't know when it was. It doesn't matter. Several years ago. And it took me months to 
unpack what he was actually saying. And I kept looking over it because uh, I couldn't see myself in it because I didn't understand God's love for me because I had, I had kind of connected God's love for me with my dad's love for me. And so what you see in 36, the Pharisees are trying to trick Jesus into saying something that he shouldn't, which he never did because he knows everybody. And so one of them is a lawyer. He asks, he says, sir, which is the most important command in the law of Moses? Okay, and we all know the Ten Commandments. But he said to him, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. This is it. He said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. For the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. It's like, okay. And so I'm coming back from this church conference, and I'm like, okay, what we need to do, we're doing too much. And so we just need to shine all the processes and everything we're doing, and we just need to really just focus on people. So then um, love God and love people. It's good. So let's do that. And we saw some life spark in our church, especially in in our volunteer culture, and it was good, but it was empty. And then I realized one thing very, very quickly, and this will be what we talk about next week. It is love your neighbor as you love yourself. Hmm, that stinks because I've never thought about myself. Love myself. Like I was not raised, like do not think too highly of yourself than you ought. How dare you even put yourself in the place of first, right? That's how I was raised. And so then I started digging into with our staff and our volunteer teams and saying, do you have a prayer time? Do you have a time where you sit down and pray? Do you have a time where um, you're reading the Bible? Are you doing this on a consistent basis? Are you taking time to sit still? Are you taking time to be quiet? Are you taking time to listen? And my issue was I go so fast that I can't hear. Heather can tell you that. You're welcome. If you look at the Living Bible translation of verse 40, this is really what kind of shifted my perception. In the Living Bible, it says, all other commandments and all the demands of the prophets stem from these two laws and are fulfilled if you obey obey them. Keep only these. Keep only these. And you will find that you're obeying all the others. But it's so easy for us to go, I got to do this. I got to do this, I got to do this. Oh, did I do this today? And, and so you keep these and it's like, well, we've, we do so good as the church to make sure that all of our people know what these 10 are. We do really good to make sure that you know what they are. But to actually get them in your heart to where you believe in them enough to get them into your feet is really difficult. And God says, wait a second, I made this really simple for you. If you obey these two, it's all good because everything stems from this. If you'll just obey these two, everything will take care of itself. So for me, this was like, what? No, there are 10 things. And I must check that box every single day until they're all perfect, right? And I created this workload and I put so much stress and pressure on myself to perform that I lost it. And so let's get practical for a second. We're gonna dip back to last week. It's Romans 8, 28. John talked about this this morning with our team, which was incredibly blessing for me just to sit in here for, for once here in, uh, in Gross Point. So, Romans 28 says, we know all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. And so then the question is, are we fulfilling God's purpose in our lives? And how do I know what that is? If you are, then all things work together for you. Okay? All things work together for, or for good to you. The key is those who love God and are called according to his purpose 
we forget that God chose us. Well, he could never choose me. Do you know what I've done? Do you know how far I am from God right now? The realization is this. You made that up. You're not really far from God ever. You're not. And so then it's not, uh, he, he, didn't choose, he didn't choose me, right? And so then remember this morning, God chose you. We talked about that last week quite a bit. To them that love God is human perspective, okay? To them that love God, really great perspective. God is working all things out together for our good, but those who love God are best able to appreciate that fact because they love him no matter what, agape. And so then, to them who are called is divine perspective. Remember, Scripture often refers to believers as called or chosen. That's us. That's you. So then, we see how God loves us now. Let's look at how we love God. This is our first point, and this is kind of where we're going to hang out today. Psalm 63.1, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It's 63.1 through 5. And before we go there... um, how do we love God? We look back to verse 37 and you think through Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37, you think through that. It is, um, I really love God in three ways. I love God in three ways. My relationship with him, my obedience to him, and how I follow him. My relationship with him, you find in Psalm 63, one through five, and it says, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. It's a very intimate reading, by the way, so hang with me. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will praise you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift my hands. That's how we love God. That's agape. That's how God loves you. It's David just laying it all out there, being willing enough to open his hands and say, God, I mean, I I need you. And this is, you have everything I have. I am thirsty. I am hungry. I need you. Your love for me is worth more than my life. And so I will give you everything I have. And we have a hard time managing that because life kind of kicks in the butt all all the time, right? We have these hectic schedules that we have to try and we try to fit God into these little corners. And so when you think about relationships being two-way streets, this is, this is what changed my life. I saw Heather, and I saw my relationship with God. And by the way, Heather's my number one other. If you, if you are married, then to love your neighbor as you love yourself, your first neighbor, your most important neighbor is your spouse, okay? So, and so then I looked at Heather, and I thought, man, if I only talk to Heather for the first five minutes of the day and the last 30 seconds of the day, how good would our relationship really be? It would stink. She wouldn't like me, and we'd be a statistic, okay? And so I thought, okay, so then how do I engage with Heather? And this is me coming from being a doer and kind of a, I was just a workaholic. There's no other way to put it. And in reality, that's how I was treating my wife. And this is, this is years ago. I've been forgiven. We walk so good right now. And so, um, but it was God helping me realize this, right? And so in, in running so fast, uh, that's how it was going, Kiss her in the morning, see ya. Phone calls would happen during the day, but I'm busy. And so I had to create some disciplines in my life to where she wasn't the first and last, where she was, she was everything throughout. And that even in an important meeting, when my wife calls, I say, oh, hey, sorry, I need to take this real quick. It's my, it's my wife. As opposed to, man, it's a sixth call today. Like, 
Doesn't she know I'll call her back? Well, if I answer the first one, she won't call me five more. You know what I'm saying? And so I make it a point that my wife uh, is the last text message that I've sent. So when I open my text, if she's not at the top of that list, I'm dropping the ball as a husband. There's engagement. It's relationship. Do I know her? Do I follow her? And so then, if you don't make time for God, you're going to have a hard time hearing from God. Your relationship with him needs to be quality time, just like every other relationship. Heather loves quality time. It's her love language. Well, that was, my, that was the worst way I engaged with her. I would just buy her flowers or do stuff for her, but she didn't want stuff. She just wanted me. She just, and that's all anybody ever wants from you is you. At the end of the day, it's just who you are. It's who you are because you have a light in you. You have salt in you, and everybody needs a little more salt, and everybody needs a little more light, and that's what people need. That's why people like you. It's who you are. It's Jesus. It's Christ in you. And so then... We talk to God through prayer. We know this is one of the ways that we communicate. He talks to us through the Bible as well as ourselves and podcasts and all the technology that's out there. But man, the Bible is kind of the start, right? When we read scripture, our conversation starts there. And the more we seek him, the more we find him. But we have to have a consistent time with him. We have to have a consistent exchange. There has to be engagement. And so then when you sit with God, you need to expect to hear from him. So that's prayer, reading, worship, listening, journaling. We're going to talk about engagement next week. It's a progression. And here's the thing. People hear that. Like for me, I started with um, version Bible app reading plan. And I just want to tell you just everything. I was a pastor. And as a pastor, I was reading everything that people would give me. I was watching every stinking video that people would text me. I was listening to every podcast that somebody recommended. Um, every book, some, hey man, you need to read this. And I didn't realize that people were stealing my time. They were taking her time. And not only were they taking their, her time, they were taking time from God because in all of it, I could care less what God had to say. Did you read that? Yeah. And I become the critic. Mm, it was okay. I mean, I'm not, you know, T.D. Jakes, but it was okay. I mean, it kind of, who am I? Who am I? It's the wrong perspective. Never once did I go, God, what are you trying to show me in this? Did, did he really give me this book? Did she really send me this text because you have a message in it for me? Is there something you need to say to me, Lord, and I'm just missing it? And so I would listen to all that. And I would get up and I would read my Old Testament, my New Testament, my Proverbs, and just say, man, check. I did it. I did it. But it was empty and I was exhausted. And the reality was is, is I could believe it for you all day long, but I never believed it for myself because I missed that as yourself. I miss that. I miss that. And so then, when we talk about seeking God, we're talking Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Right? And so where do you think I saw myself? All these things will be added to you. Depending on the translation you look at, though, it says, seek ye, which is you. It's you and God together. Agape. Together. And Everything else will take care of itself. That's what it says. So Matthew 7, 7 through 9. You find yourself in a seek sandwich here. Matthew 6, 33 through Matthew 7, 7 and 9. This is, I call this a seek sandwich. I don't feel like Matthew 6 should have ended, but for some reason they did. And so it continues on. We pick up in verse 7. It says, ask and you will be given what you ask for. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. 
Anyone who seeks finds. If only you will knock, the door will be open. This is my favorite. If a child asks his father for a loaf of bread, will he give him a stone instead? No. If he asks for a fish, will he be given a poisonous snake? Of course not. And if you hard-hearted, sinful men know how to give good gifts to your children, won't your Father in heaven even more certainly give good gifts to those who ask him and seek him? Don't you do anything for your kid? I, I was raised very differently. We, we weren't given very much, and, and it's all good. Like, I'm not bitter at all. But having kids helps me realize I could never raise my kids the way my parents raised me. I could never do that. I can't. That's not love. It's just not love. No judgment. They're great people. It's very different. It's, it's who raised them, right? It's really not, it's not them, even though it is. And so then it's, won't we as parents give our kids anything? Don't we understand and know that God wants to do the same thing for us? In talking about a relationship, the next question after do you seek God is, do you listen? In Mark 4, 9 and Mark 4, 23, we're asked to listen twice. It says this in verse 9, if you have ears, listen. <laughs> if you have ears, listen. And so then what you really have to ask yourself is what, is, what is the speed of your life? Hearing equals knowing. Listening leads to believing. And it takes a little bit of time every day. Do you listen? Habakkuk 2.20 says this, but the Lord is in his holy temple and the whole earth is silent before him. Do you actually get quiet? Like, do you take time? And listen, I'm serious, 30 seconds. I started with one reading. It starts with one to three minutes a day. And it only starts with one because it's not your responsibility to do. And I had that mixed up in the beginning. I thought, man, man, the best guys in the world are spending three hours a day doing this. I've got to do that. And you real quickly become like the guy who goes to the gym January 1st, right? I'm all in. Three hours a day, I'm going to crush it. And day three, you're done for the year, right? Everybody has great, great intentions, right? It's very great intention. But the reality is, it is a journey. This is the rest of your life. Remember, your potential is longer than your life. We talked about last, last week. And so then God sees more in you, and you need to pace yourself. And so then just take a minute. God's going to stir your heart. God's, if that's God's responsibility. Your job is to engage. It's God's job to say, hey, how you like that? Let's get that fire stirred up a little bit. And then you go from one minute to three minutes and you go from three to five. And then, it, and then it's not too long that your wife's going, hey, are you going to do something today? It's only if you sit in, in the seat I sit in. So, but it's that, it is that. It is, man, there's an engagement, there's, there's an interaction, there's exchange happening, and you love it because it's the purest and best form of love that you're ever going to feel. Psalms 46.10 says, stand silent, know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation in the world. It's just a great reminder to get still and listen. Talking about my obedience, this is point two. Jesus said in John 14.15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. You'll keep my commands. It's what John talked about this morning. Um, in the Living Bible, it says, if you love me, you will obey me. And when you talk about the difference between keep and obey, 
And John's perception is part of John's story. And so I'm not trying to speak on his behalf, but he said, man, a keep is, is a place in the middle of the castle where everything is kept like it's safe, it's secure. Everything that we treasure, we put in the keep. This is what God's saying. This is, this is really what Jesus meant when he said this. And so then when you read that, you say, if you love me, you will keep my commands. You will treasure, you will treasure what I've given you. You will treasure what I have for you. And again, I stole that straight from John. And so then, and so then it does mean obey. And it does mean keep, but it also means treasure. There's so much depth to every single scripture. That's why it's important that you read it, because God's going to show you things that he doesn't show me. And so then in our house, it is uh, obedience. Is, it, we call biblical obedience in our house. Love plus trust equals action. I can say that I love you, but if there's no trust here, there's no action that follows. And so then the question to our kids is, do you trust me? I know you love me. You're going to give me lip service love all day long. They do love us. Do you trust me? Because if you trust me, then you'll follow through. Then you will treasure. If you trust what God's saying to you and you believe that he loves you, then that will always lead to action, which is relationship. It's not doing, it's being. It's who you are. It's who you are. You need all three, okay? This is important. You need love and trust and action because uh, action without love is just religion. It's hard truth this morning. And love without action is just talk. Action without love is just religion. Love without action is just talk. Why does God love obedience? Because it proves you really love him. When you are obedient, you're giving of yourself. It takes the one thing you can't get back, time. Time. And that's what God wants. God wants your heart, right? Know that there doesn't have to be a reason for everything. God asks for you to understand, but your understanding can wait. Obedience cannot. I believe uh, instant obedience will teach you more about God than a lifetime of biblical courses. Instant obedience to God will teach you more than any set of classes that you can take. Okay? Any Bible discussions you can get in. In fact, you will never understand some of the things that God has for you until you obey them. And more times than not in life, when we get lost, it's because we've lost it. And it is, man, I really don't know what I'm doing right now. I don't know what direction I'm going or where, where is God leading. And really what God just wants you to do is go back to the last thing that he told you and start there. That's obedience. If you never know what the heck is going on, go back to the last thing you're 100% confident God gave you. Go there. And you will always take another step. The problem is we get to this point where we're like, okay, God, and it doesn't happen on our pace, so we go like this, and we back up, and we clench our fists, and we go, and I have to figure this out. I'm running out of time. I'm figuring this out. You're not running out of time. You're never running out of time. Partial obedience doesn't work. You can't pick and choose what to obey. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. This is huge in our house. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. You're not, it's not, there's no action. I'll do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll come to church when I'm ready. Like, that's like having kids, okay? You're not going to be ready, right? God's waiting on you and he wants to do a work in your life, right? So that's why we bring people to church because God has something he wants to say to you. And so then obedience locks, unlocks understanding. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. You can't wait to have trust 
I must trust first. Can't wait to build the trust. I just have to trust. It's faith. Faith is what you don't see, right? And so then, yeah, I believe God's who he is. Partial obedience doesn't work. You can't pick and choose what to obey. I'll attend church, but I won't serve. I'll read my Bible, but I won't forgive the person, my neighbor, who consistently just drives me nuts, okay? I won't apologize to the guy that I did wrong, okay? It's, that's, that's partial obedience, and that's not being who God's called us to be, right? Psalms 100 verse 2 says, Obey him gladly, come before him singing with joy. Wholehearted obedience is done with joy and enthusiasm. And I should have put a comma there. Obey him gladly, come before him singing with joy. Wholehearted obedience is done with joy and enthusiasm. Okay? Psalms 119.33, David says, Just tell me what to do and I will do it, Lord. As long as I live, I will wholeheartedly obey. I will give you everything I have. We bring, we bring pleasure to God through obedience. And the Bible says that any act of obedience is also an act of worship. So then when we obey, we worship. It's two for one. It's two for one. So then you're in the double bonus. And I'll close with this. How do we know how to obey? What's real relationship? God. You can't complain about not knowing if you've never listened. You can't say that you aren't sure which way to go if you've never sat long enough to think about it. If you've never sat long enough to seek direction, you can't say, well, I don't know. If you've never sought God in prayer or read his book, you will lack direction and you will make decisions based off of feelings. And that means your life works like a roller coaster. I'm good today. Today's going to be awesome. You're going to leave here feeling like, man, God, it's good. Thank you so much. Tomorrow, somebody's going to call you and aggravate you. You're going to hit a pothole, right? I go to potholes all the time. You're going to do something. You're going to have a phone call. Somebody's going to be late. Something's going to happen that's going to drive you absolutely nuts. And you've got to get back to who is God. And so the last one, the last point is, how do I follow? And I'll just give you this for homework this week. This is John 21, 15 through 19. And he's talking to Peter. Jesus is talking to Peter. He says, he says if you love me, feed my lambs. Do you love me? He says, yes, I do. Shepherd my sheep. Do you love me? He says, yes, again. He says, feed my sheep. And at the very end of that, verse 19, he says, to signify by what kind of death he would glorify God after saving this, he told him, follow me. Follow me. Isn't what Jesus is saying to Peter there with feeding my sheep and shepherding my sheep, love people? Love people as, as Peter, as I've loved you, as you love me, as you love yourself. I think he asked three times because he's waiting for Peter to confirm his commitment. It's a commitment. He needs him to be all in. Yeah, Lord, you know that. He tells him, you know, you know, you know. And God's not looking for, you know. He's looking for, I believe. He's looking for, I believe. And so John 8, 12 says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. But I will have the light of life. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
All he wants is relationship. All he wants is engagement. All he wants is you. He just wants your heart. Remember, agape love is a two-way street. It's the love of God for man and the love of man for God. So then, how do you love God? It's my relationship with him. It's my obedience to him and how I follow him. How does God love you? This is huge. Genuine compassion. Ultimate forgiveness. He made you part of the greatest love story on the face of the earth. It's better than any book. It's better than, better than any People magazine. Okay? It's better than any movie. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that you should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at liveredefined.com. Follow us on social media at Redefined Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.